Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome, one and all, to the Man on the Post podcast. We've had a week off because of the international fixtures, uh, but we're fully rested and back with uh, a bang for this show. No Ross this week, or Greg, or Tom, but fear not, like uh, brave Sir Roy Hodgson's England, we have uh, strength and depth, and on today's (laughs) podcast we say hello to Emma, back for her second cap in a Man on the Post shirt. Great to have you on board, Emma. Thank you. It's nice to be back. We also have Chris. Now, Chris, you've picked up a f- number of caps now, uh, and it's fantastic to have you back as well. Hi, Chris. Hello. And we also have our stalwarts, like Stevie G and Frankie Frank Lampard. They're always here and key and incisive to the Man of the Post team. It's Adam and James. Hi, guys. Hi. All right. So without further ado, let's get stuck into all the recent football action that's been taking place. And what better place to start than England's two international friendlies? England nil, Chile two. England nil, Germany one. Mm. Adam, you you were actually at the Germany game, weren't you? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm hoping that you're going to sort of tell me that it was a little bit different how it came across on the TV. Um, what are your thoughts on the game? Are you telling me that Andy Townsend didn't paint it in a good picture for you? Well, I'm hoping that you paint it a little bit better. <laughs> um, I honestly didn't think that we were that bad, especially in the first half. Um, I think we passed the ball nicely. We we um we we were able to compete for possession, and I don't think they really tore us apart. I think that the goal was the result of a, a the second ball from a set piece, which can happen as, as as well as you can score them and then we um we we went for the game and that created chances and created space and they exploited it but they still weren't able to pick us off i think certain players didn't have the greatest games but i thought that other players didn't look too bad and i thought that it was encouraging and and just generally adam as well apart from that what was the atmosphere like and and I'd be interested to know as well, how much was your ticket? Um, my ticket was 45 quid, I think. But you have to remember that, again, that I'm paying not to hear Andy Townsend, so... <laughs> it's all worth it. Yeah. Yeah, 45 quid, I think it was. Right, OK. Um, the, the atmosphere was good. Um, it, 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 There was a couple of, of boos at the end, which I thought was a bit strange. Because, but you're playing against Germany. What did you expect? You've got. To, we're trying to learn things, and I, it's not like we got absolutely destroyed. I don't, unless I was watching a different game to other people. I, I don't feel like they gave us some sort of absolute footballing lesson, like they did four, three and a half years ago in, in um, Bloemfontein. Bloemfontein, yeah. 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 
thought you were saying my second name then. <laughs> <laughs> James, you did want to make a point, didn't you? What What did you uh, make of it? Well, I, I was I, I watched the first half, um, and it just it did. I I knew there was going to be a German. I knew the next goal would be a German goal. We had all this possession, and I thought they were sitting back. We we're playing their B team as well. Um, we play. We had all this possession. And that we wasn't were, their. We weren't really threatening. It was. Come on. Six of. Um, I'm not saying it was their their <clears throat> first eleven, but six of those players would be, would be playing in their first team. And how many of those players played in the Champions League final? Still, I think if we played the German first team, we'd, it would have been a much, um, much more embarrassing than that. But I no, you're right. I don't think. It, sorry, I, I said it was embarrassing. I, I don't think it was embarrassing at all. I thought it was. We played a good game, but like we had all this possession, we weren't threatening the goal in the first half. Everyone was saying, oh, "This is great, we're doing, we're doing so much better," but we didn't threaten them once. And no, that was goal. that was that was disappointing. You're right. Um, I particularly, I thought, I thought Joe Hart had an okay game. He couldn't really do anything about about the goal. He made some some good, good saves. Save. I, I I I heard from from Twitter that they were being. Over over egged a little bit, perhaps. I didn't. I think there were there were saves you'd expect him to make, but he he made good saves that a good goalkeeper would make. He then clattered Chris Smalling, but who wouldn't? Nothing, nothing, but nothing came of that. So it's not it's not the end of the world. I I just thought it was. Um, I thought I thought the Germans were sitting back and waiting for their opportunity to to grab a goal. I think I I still think the problem with with Joe Hart is is his distribution, not his his ability between between the posts. Because the you, the difference there with with Weidenfeller and goal was that Joe Hart's kicking game is terrible, and when he gave the ball short, he always gave the ball short where the defender had eleven German players in front of him, whereas Weidenfeller would be able to give it quickly and they'd be able to get the ball moving quickly into midfield and they were already beyond beyond the passing of England's attack. And another thing with that was that in the second half, England's forward players in, in Rooney and Sturridge, but particularly Rooney, tr- tried to press the ball high. But as soon as they pressed the ball high, the midfield dropped deep and it just meant that the defence just played, played around them and then... There was just so much space. I thought that Andros Townsend was poor. Uh, I think he's predictable. Oh come on, he's 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 surely one of the few England players who's actually got a little bit of give and go about him, who wants to really run at people. You... I like, yeah, I like the running bit. He run, he can run. He, can he run gets the ball, runs but... and cuts inside, and, that's, yeah. and there's no there's no end product with it. Yeah, I thought that's what I was about to say as well. He just, I just saw a lot of great runs, but nothing came of them at all. Chris, Emma, what, what, what's your take on England? Perhaps, you know, the, the games, but on also maybe also how you think we're going to fare moving forward. Um, I didn't watch the game. I watched Sweden-Portugal, but I'm looking here at the two teams. And something, um, something that James said earlier on about this not being a German... First choice eleven. They didn't have Neuer in goal. There was no alarm. There was um, uh, um, Muller was on the bench and, and didn't come on. It wasn't a full strength German team, I don't think. And for the fact they beat us one 0 and for the fact that there is a World Cup less than a year away, at which point we're going to be playing teams putting out their first eleven. I think there are, there are a lot of concerns to um, for England to look at. Germany only named 
eight substitutes as well. We had our entire squad as the, um, uh, as, the, as the substitutes as well. I mean, how seriously were Germany taking this game? And if it was their second string eleven, then we really do have a lot to worry about for next year. Well, no, don't worry, we're going to win the World Cup. But <laughs> <laughs> I thought I, what I would like to say is I thought that Wayne Rooney was fantastic, uh, as I think he regularly is in an England shirt, personally, and um, I, I thought that maybe was very apparent being at the game. I could understand how perhaps it didn't transfer into the TV, but I actually think that, that Tom Cleverley adds a lot to that midfield. He's, he's got great technical ability and he can pick the ball up in tight, play, tight positions and get a pass away and he keeps the ball moving. He doesn't do any of the fancy work. He doesn't, doesn't do anything that's going to catch the attention, but he's the one who keeps the play moving and when England were at their best in that first half and were able to compete for possession, all, most of the good work was coming from Tom Cleverley. Emma, what did you make of the uh, the games, either Chile or Germany? Uh, like I said, I didn't watch either of them because I, I've never really had a strong, like, I'm not very patriotic when it comes to football and I'm get bored of watching them and they just I get so angry that I just don't and plus when I thought what like in reality like like Chris said earlier the Germany weren't taking it seriously they didn't care and I would have much rather I I did watch the um watch Sweden game because there was actually for me personally a lot more quality on show and it was a lot better game we turned we were watching it and we turned over for the England game and um, and me and my dad both looked at each other. And we were like, "Have you have you touched the sound? Like, have you turned the TV down?" And no, it was just it just was quiet at Wembley, and no one is showing the sort of passion that you find in other places. And I just think that next year is going to be the, exactly the same. We're going to flop, and it's all just predictable when it comes to England for me. I mean, I, I've. I've sort of bitten my tongue and I've not said anything because I'm sort of, if you listen to the podcast, everybody will know that I'm sort of Mr. Team England. Um, <laughs> I always think they're going to win. I was left a little bit disappointed, but I think at the end of the day, there were two friendlies. They weren't, they weren't gimmies. They were against good, good teams who were going to be, we might face in, in the group stages um, and later on. And I don't think England did too bad. Um, at the end of the day, you've got to experiment and test a little bit. I do think this question. I, I'm not a big fan of cleverly. I know that Adam, you mentioned that you thought a lot of a lot of the play went through him, but I, I do think that cleverly and Smalling perhaps got their place because they played for Manchester United. If they played for Villa, would they have got the chance? I'm not so sure. Um, but I, I'm not too disheartened uh, with with that that result. I mean, perhaps. It creates more questions than answers, but I think it's uh, these are opportunities to experiment. And I, I think we should look at the results as, as a prediction of what's going to happen. Like Spain lost to South Africa; they were just friendlies. But I don't think we need to. I, I think you're right. It, I'm, I'm like you, Colin. I, I I don't know. Sometimes I say I'm club before country, but I always have to. I'm always big fan of England. I always want I want us to do well. I do get disappointed by, like you say, the like Emma said, the atmospheres at Wembley at times, and and the, the lack of passion from the players at times. But I always I've always got that side. I, I want England to I really want England to do really well, and I think they will. And I, 
always optimistic. But yeah, and I don't think we should look at the results by the numbers, but by the amount of goals that went in. I think we should just but take the positives from the Germany game, build on them. I don't think they were too bad. Well, I, I don't want to spend too much time on England. I think we've pretty much covered it up. I mean, one thing I did take away from, from the game was uh, on Radio 5 Live uh, on the phone-ins after the Germany game, uh, Danny Mills was uh, one of the co-commentators and he said that the first thing that Roy Hodgson should do is call John Terry. Do you agree? This is a guy, after all, who's on a, an FA commission to look at the future of English football. Well, look, I mean, hey, if, if England win the World Cup, which it might do, John Terry will be lifting it. Right, so... Um... <laughs> In the photoshopped version, anyway, because that's not boring yet. <laughs> what, what do we think? I mean, hey, I rate John Terry as a player. I really do. But I think Roy Hodgson's made his decisions. I can't see any problems with Phil Jagielka at all. I think he's solid. I think he's fine. Cahill, mm, perhaps not so much. But that's who Roy's gone for. And they've got us through the qualification campaign. And I think that's who Roy should and will stick with. Would you recall John Terry? No. No. His time's gone, hasn't no, it? Not... Yeah. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. Well, let's let's move on then to... The other key point for the, the World Cup, which was the Euro World Cup qualifiers. Uh, we obviously had uh, four games here over two legs. They were pretty key to, to the last European teams that are going to make it into the final pot. They were Romania versus Greece, Croatia versus Iceland, the big one, Sweden versus Portugal, and France versus Ukraine. Chris, Emma, you both said that your attention was drawn towards the Sweden-Portugal game. What were your thoughts on it? I don't think Sweden turned up till the second half of the second leg. I, I was so confused by what they were doing. I don't know whether you felt the same thing ever, but as in the Portugal game, I suppose you can understand it to some extent in the fact that they were sort of um, trying to minimise any uh, scoring opportunities against them away from home. But back then, apparently, didn't get a touch inside the um, Portugal penalty over the first leg. First half of the second leg, I thought they would go for it a lot more from the off, but they just allowed Ronaldo to um, have the space that, that he needed to score. I, I just really didn't understand Sweden at all. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I was expecting it to be a lot uh, more fierce than it was. And the second half of the second game was really good. And they both, you could see the passion coming through through both of them. But the rest of it, it was a bit... I expected more from Sweden. Yeah. I think Sweden will look back at this fixture and I think they'll um, they'll be disappointed with themselves more than the fact that, um, that Portugal played well to got through. I don't think this is a great Portugal team. They've got Ronaldo, of course, who, who does what he does. Um, but I think the fact that Portugal are up there, have got there, does say a lot about Ronaldo. I think he brings a lot yeah. more to a team than than what you see. I think you see it more when he plays for Portugal than does for Real Madrid. I don't think you find a physically fitter player in world football than Ronaldo. And the way he he's kind of dragged that team, the way he did the same thing at Windsor Park when they were losing to Northern Ireland, did the same thing uh, over these two legs. I don't think Portugal are a great team, but they've got the players who are sort of dragging, kicking and screaming to where they need to be. Well, I mean, I should point out that obviously the, the headline was that 
Portugal won 4-2 on aggregate. Um, in, in the final game, it was Sweden 2, Portugal 3, but perhaps Zlatan 2, Ronaldo 3. I mean, just, just how good was Ronaldo in that game? People are talking about the Ballon d'Or. Is he deserving of it? It's funny you should say that, because for, for me, he's the best player in the world right now. So if, if, if it was up to me, he would win my Ballon d'Or. But before that, the, everyone's tip was, was Frank Ribéry. So he's had an awful night. One, yes, France managed to come back from 2-0 down to qualify and make the World Cup. But in doing so, he's, he's probably lost the Ballon d'Or because of Ronaldo. And he broke a rib. Just a bad day. Well, we were saying this the other day, weren't we? Adam? We agreed that um, Robin is better than Ribéry at Bayern Munich. Yeah, for me. But, yeah, I thought, thought that Ribéry for the Ballon d'Or was crazy. But, yeah, Colin, to get back to your point, Colin, yes, for me, he should win the Ballon d'Or. I don't know whether you felt the same thing in watching the game, but I think Portugal are quite an ordinary team. And man for man, I don't think they've got anything to worry about, apart from Ronaldo. He seems to sort of have this strength of this will to win that um that means that Portugal can do it and can sort of win the games where they're where they're sort of up against it like they did Northern Ireland and like they did um the other day. I think uh, you you make an interesting point there and in saying that we have we have nothing to worry about because I think that's exactly it. We'll line them up man to man to man, you'd look at them and say, Well Cristiano Ronaldo aside, how many of those players are are better than the England players. How many of them would be able to displace them from their club sides? And it's probably a mixed bag. But the difference is that when they play for Portugal, they play as a team. When England play, there seems to be they seem to lack any sort of bravery. There's no, there's they're not brave enough to be on the ball and to take time and pick a pass. There's panic sets in and that doesn't seem to set in in the Portugal team so I would be worried if we played them although they've come through qualifying I think they beat us I think we we touched on France there a little bit and, and that's one result I'd like to look at because in European well European World Cup qualifying knockouts no one has ever come back from a 2-0 deficit in the first leg France did 3-0 against Ukraine that that was some awesome performance, surely, from France. Well, yeah, no no one had them down to do it. It was two goals from Sacco and uh, Karim Benzema as well. Yeah, and as you said, and, and Mohamed Sacco was only playing because Kishanri got himself sent off in the first leg. Again, I don't think we've got a lot to worry about them in, if we meet them in the World Cup. I think a lot of France's problems is, is, is mental. I think it's in their yeah. squad. It's, it's not necessarily with the skill. Um, apparently, in the first leg, they, they really didn't show a lot of passion at all. Um, they beat themselves as much as the opposition beat them. Exactly, exactly. Um, just touching on the other two games, uh, Romania-Greece. We're going to see Greece again in the World Cup. They won 4-2 against Romania over the two legs. Um and also, it would have been a nice, a nice uh, scenario if Iceland would have made it into the World Cup, but uh, not to be. Uh, Croatia did the damage two nil. So, so moving on then. I mean, now we all know who is in the World Cup 2014 draw. I think there's going to be there's potential for some huge groups of death. Um, 
I mean, just looking at it, I mean, it's it's absolutely insane. Um, and I think it would be foolish to predict already who would win the World Cup before the groups are drawn. Um, so my question is, would anybody like to predict who's going to win the World Cup? England. <laughs> yeah? Brazil. Convinced, yeah. No, it's going to go our way. Um, it's going to be luck. We're going to win by luck. Um, we have a few, yeah. It's all, all our results going to go our way. Get, you forget um, that the World Cup finals on James's birthday. <laughs> what better present could Roy Hodgson give James? Exactly. It's going to be 20, I'm going to turn 22, and we're going to win, win the World Cup. It's going to be a great day, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be celebrating in the streets of Brazil. <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I, I, I think there's a lot of teams that could. I hope I hope it's not Spain again. Just well, I, I, I think there's a lot of teams that are as, almost as good as each other, but I think Brazil's home advantage might hopefully be in here. So you're going to say Brazil at this early stage, Chris? Yeah. James has said England. Do you know what? I think if England get a good group, and it will re- completely rely on England getting a good group, I'd, I'd go with England as well, you know? Yes, um, so we've got two <laughs> shouts for England so two madmen um, we've got Emma and Adam to throw their hat into the ring who would you like to uh, predict as winners um, I, I think I think the same the home advantage for Brazil I think that will that should hopefully for me secure it for them because I think that they're great football inside and I think with a crowd like that behind them that people are going to go there and is they're going to be shocked and okay so two for england two for brazil adam you could you could decide this either way for man of the post <laughs> or you could just throw it completely and go for someone different i could completely ruin it couldn't i yeah which is what i'm going to do um but it, it, a lot of it relates to the groups as you said colin and i don't necessarily think that it equates to the what teams you get in the group, but obviously where you're playing, because Brazil is such a huge country and the climatic conditions are going to be different depending on where your games are played. And for some teams, that's going to have an effect on them because they're going to be playing in conditions that either they're not used to, or perhaps when it gets to the knockout stages, they're playing in conditions that are completely different to how they played in the group and they're acclimatised to. Um, but I would say Spain. So you reckon that a European team is going to win in South America for the first time? Yeah. It's a lot harder when you haven't got the ball. OK, so there you go. It could be Brazil, it could be England, or it could be Spain. Forget the rest. According, so, so... according to us, we think it's more likely to be England than Spain, which I think tells you all you need to know. <laughs> Okay, so that rounds up our friendlies and World Cup qualification uh, section. So let's get into the the important stuff, which is the Premier League. Um, hmm, I'm looking at the fixture list and I'm wondering where we should start. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking we've got we've got an Everton fan on the podcast, we've got a Liverpool fan on the podcast. So I, I'm thinking. In- I, no, I, th- I think we should start with Chelsea. <laughs> well, well, I think we'll start with the Merseyside derby. Um, so, in the blue corner, we have the Toffee Man. It's Adam. In the red right. corner, the Liver Bird. 
It's Chris. Who wants to throw the first punch? How was this match? You go first, Adam. Um, I'd start with saying that I thought it's the best game of football I've seen all season. I I thought it was truly fantastic. Um, I thought a a great game, and I think that in a game that finished... I can't remember a game that finished free all where both goalkeepers played so well. Um, and just it, it was just displays of, of great attacking football. Um, obviously, disappointed to concede, concede the goal right at the end. Um, and I was a little bit surprised, actually, with with what Brendan Rodgers decided to do. Because I, I'm... I, I'm I'm trying to hide it. I'm actually quite a fan of what of what he's trying to do, and I do, and I think he does things the right way. And I think that as this game went on, it became a typical Premier League game. And in the in the last ten minutes of most Premier League games that are are still in the balance, tactics tend to just go out the window, and it just becomes gung ho and end to end. And he facilitated that by take by taking off midfield players and bringing on strikers. And I that's not what I'd expect from him. I'd expect from him to try and to to gain more control of the game. But it's difficult to knock him when you could say that his methods worked. Chris, any comeback? Um, yeah, I think it would all, it's all too easy to say if Morelos had been sent off, then it would have been a lot different because Liverpool played against 10 men the other week at Newcastle and barely scraped the draw. So um, I'm not sure how key that would have been. Having said that, he should have been sent off. I mean, he, two, three times in that game. But... I think the game exposed a lot of flaws for Liverpool. I think their midfield was lacking. Um, and I think their defence was lacking. At some point, Mingale can't save us forever. Um, I, I really don't know why Sissoko, um, Sacco didn't, didn't start. I really don't understand that because he scored two goals at Frankfurt in the week. He's obviously feeling like he's playing well. It would have been good to capitalise upon his confidence and play. Our midfield was kind of all over the place and lacking. And Joe Allen played a fantastic through ball. Unfortunately, he was like three yards out of goal and missed. Um, and I think, to be honest, I think we're probably a bit lucky to get away with the draw. Having said that, I don't know whether everything did all that much to win it, but I, I think probably draws a fair result. But you know, we could have played a whole lot better, I think. I, I'm hearing that uh, Brendan Rodgers wasn't particularly happy with a certain Kevin Morales. Um, and a certain challenge on Luis Suarez. What's, what's Wait, your right. take on this? He's got a short. Memory. He's got a short memory because he says he, he says in his press match conference, uh, "I wonder what would have happened if Luis Suarez was making that challenge." Completely forgetting when Suarez stuck one on Distan in the in the derby last year. Completely no, forgets that. that was, I still think that was an accident. What he did? Ah, uh, bollocks! <laughs> <laughs> I still think it was. I honestly think Morelos was lucky to stay on the pitch, not for that tackle, for the uh, foul in the penalty area he did for, I don't think so much that when he, people think he stamped on Suarez after this or Suarez was tackled and he fell through the air. That, you, that was, I don't think that was you have absolutely no complaint from me for that challenge, that being a red card challenge. But I, do, I just think that that is pandering to the media and poor. From, no, from I Brent. think he's got a point. I think he's got a point. And I think that... I've just, I've just proven to you he didn't have a point because Suarez stuck one on Distan and didn't get sent off. Yeah, which I still think was an accident. But I think that... Um, I, uh, I think he should have got sent off. I mean, if you got a yellow card for that 
for that tackle, he should have got the second yellow card for what he did in the penalty area. I can't remember who the defender was he did it to. But it was down the Gladys Street end. Um, he committed another foul then, which he should have got a second yellow card. He wasn't looking to be on the pitch. OK, well, any more points to make on the uh, Merseyside derby? At the end of the day, I'm, I'm not disappointed with it being a draw, but I do think that we, we had more opportunities to, to finish the game and there was a, a, several times when we could have scored um, a couple of times when we had, had men over um, Lukaku probably should have had a hat-trick at some point scoring one of his other chances Delefeu should have scored but um, I, I was impressed with Roberto Martinez because Baines picks up an injury and he brings on Delefeu instead of making a sort of defensive change when you're losing your left back you don't think that in most teams, that would be as big an issue, but he is one of our our biggest attacking weapons, and he he worked around that issue quite well, as far as I was concerned. I think we were lucky to escape with the draw. I think the game exposed a lot of the flaws that Liverpool have, and I think Mingley can only save us so many times. Okay, so let's move on then, and uh, I suggest that we move on to the Arsenal Southampton game. Two goals for Olivier Giroud, put paid to uh, Southampton. Any thoughts on this game? I think the ref made a really good call in this game, given that penalty. There's so much, so that happens so often during games that you don't see it happen. And although people can cry, we want consistency from referee. The referee, at one point in time, can only give what he sees in a particular match. You can't worry whether another ref would give it or not. If he sees a foul, he has to give it. And I don't think they're given enough. I think it was a very brave call what he did, although it's at home, although it's at the Emirates and he gave it for Arsenal. I think it's a very brave call what he did, um, and it was a penalty. A lot of media pundits have uh, refused to say that Arsenal, or refused to say you know that Arsenal have a a chance of winning the title. Would anybody here say that Arsenal can win it? I think they can. We're over a quarter of the way through the season, and they're still top. It's more than a good start. This is a um, this is a proper title challenge. Four points clear as well. Yeah, I mean, they, I think if something happens to Giroud, they could be in a lot of trouble. But at the moment, it's, um, it's got all the sort of hallmarks of a proper title challenge. People keep saying that, and I wonder how much trouble they would be in now, because they're starting to get players in and around them. It, if Giroud was out for three months, four months, then sure, I'd, I'd tend to agree with you. But do you not think that if he was out for a couple of weeks that they've got players, whether it be Podolski coming back or Theo Walcott, who featured in the game, who could take that role and maybe add something slightly different but but they could still compete and probably pick up points that, that they need to yeah maybe I think so but I mean it's it, even something like a hamstring comes along I and mean, that's six weeks out straight away isn't it and they can have any points at any time it's a concern I mean the closer it comes to January he can do something about it the better so it's not it's getting less and less of a problem in that respect okay well let's move on then to the the next game uh, Fulham won Swansea too. It's not. It's not going great for Fulham, is it? It really isn't. Um, and, a, and a much-needed win for Swansea. You've got a question. How long Martin has got left? I don't think it's going to be very long. Maybe I give it to the end of the month. Maybe. I think the fact he's completely lost the fans, and I just he's he's brought a new coach in, hasn't he? I can't remember his name. Rene Mullenstein. Yeah. But it just. I just don't think that he's got it anymore. And I don't think that the owner is going to have enough patience to stick with him. 
I like his approach of just assuming that three teams will be worse than Fulham. <laughs> That's what, pretty much what he's gone with. It'll be all right. A lot of people... People will be worse than us. They'll want relegation more than we do. Renny Mules... I, I can't pronounce his second name. It's so good. But that coach they brought in, he's um, he is quite highly rated. And maybe there's a, a plan there that if Joel does go, then uh, he's a successor. Well, that, that's the talk, isn't it? Is that, that, you know, he's predicted to be the next sort of permanent Fulham manager. It, is that what we think is going to happen? It looks likely, doesn't it? Hmm. Well, let's move on then to the, the next match, which is uh, Hull nil, Crystal Palace 1. Unbelievable. <laughs> Happy about that, are you, James? <laughs> Massive three points to Crystal Palace. Uh, Barry Bannon getting the goal in the 81st minute. How important could that be at the end of the season? Irrelevant. Yeah, they're still going down. Yeah. <clears throat> is that what we reckon, yeah? Well, that's yeah, that's an interesting point. I think Harlas still have every chance of staying up, and that's not going to do them any favours at all. I don't think that Pulis has the the personnel at his disposal to be able to play his brand of football right now, and I don't think he's going to be able to instill it and make it as effective as it was at Stoke in the time he needs to to be able to to do anything to keep them in the league. I think they've got him in mind for next season. I think Palace has had written off this season, except the fact they're going down and they've got him for a promotion push next season. Uh, I think that's a mistake, personally. What, if they have done that? Yeah. I don't, I don't think that, that, that Pulis' brand of football is one that is particularly effective at getting you out of the Championship. Did he not get Stoke promoted only on the last day of the season? Uh, yes, I'm trying to think back of his other... Did he do, what was he doing with Julian? Did they go up with him? Well, Crystal, Crystal Palace, I mean, were trying to get Ita Karanka, who decided to move to Middlesbrough in the Championship. That's got to be depressing for you, isn't it? Well, yeah, pretty much. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, just it's grim up north as well, so why would you go to Middlesbrough? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a club that was supposedly in crisis... Um, all sorts of problems there. Journalists getting banned left, right and centre. It's obviously uh, everyone's favourite club, Newcastle United. Only going and beating Norwich 2-1. They're in a good reign of form, aren't they? I mean, Newcastle up to 8th now, 20 points. Like Remy and Goufran getting the goals for uh, Newcastle. Leroy Fur got one back, but... If they had a decent manager, Newcastle could be a really, really good pose a threat to do at least the top six. As it is, they got party, so they won't. Is that until that's until look when we have to do time, yeah? <laughs> so, so you don't rate uh, Alan Pardew then, Chris? Uh, I think there's a ceiling at which he's probably reached with Newcastle. I don't think he's going to get them a whole lot further. I think they've got some good players there. Uh, how much of that he's had to do with bringing those in, I don't know, but. I think there's, he's got a good core of players there, and if he was a better manager, he'd be able to do something with him. So let's move on to the next game then, and uh, a win for a team that I predicted would end up getting relegated. Stoke. Stoke City 2, Sunderland 0. Charlie Adam and Nzonzi getting the goals for Stoke. Anybody have any take on, on this game? The red card, I think, is one of the most um, notable thing about this game, wasn't it? For mm. Wes Brown. Wes Brown. 
That wasn't even a foul, let alone a red card. No, but my, my big, big issue is with the commentator he, he, making a whole load of references to things that are completely irrelevant. Yeah, Where he, ta- he talks about Wes Brown getting the ball and um, then getting the man and all these sort of things that in the, making a decision on whether you're going to call a foul or give a red card are, are relevant. Under the law, it's whether you, you use um, excessive force. There's no reference to getting the ball at all. But these these commentators who are completely inept and don't even know the rules of the game that they're supposed to be they're supposed to be calling go on about it over and over again. Did anybody think it was a foul? No. No, but I I I could see why you would give it as a I could see why you might be able to interpret it as a foul, but for me it it wasn't. Because Mark Hughes, he said, he immediately thought it was, um, he thought it was a red card. The oddest thing about the whole incident was that Gus Poyer getting so angry, he had to take his coat off. <laughs> he was warm. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the, the next match then. Uh, West Ham versus Chelsea. Uh, three goals for Chelsea. Two for Frank Lampard. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do we make of this game? Does it say more about Chelsea or West Ham this game? I think that as soon as they conceded that really poor penalty, um, that West Ham's game plan was kind of out the window, so they didn't really have anything else to go to. But and, and in that penalty, I would say that I felt that it was really weird from Yaskalain and the way he dived at the ball. Why did he dive to his, his left and not to his right? I just don't think West Ham went into it with any sort of belief. They just sort of turned up and I thought that was a bit sad, really. Yeah, they played like that, didn't they? I didn't really think they picked an out and out striker, did they, from what they were saying? Do we worry for West Ham? Do, do we think they could get relegated this season? I think they're going right in the right direction. There'll be three worst teams in them. Yeah. So that's, that's not yeah. to say that that's not to say they sort of will make sure of it themselves. The only way they'll stay up is through the attitude of others. Sunday's games then. Um, wow, it's a, it's a tale of two Manchesters, really. Uh, where should we start? Well, hey, why not Manchester City? Manchester City, six. Tottenham, <laughs> nil. What's going on there? I loved what the commentator said. It was... He said that it's not just that Tottenham got beaten, it's that they got absolutely destroyed and that was it. They just... It was... not. I suppose it was a bit unbelievable to watch it. You couldn't believe, like, Spurs have been a good side and they just got annihilated. And I sort of think it can't just be Spurs. It was, you know, it, it was City. And if they'd been playing someone who was actually a crap team, how many would they have put past them? Like it was seven nil against Norwich. What happens if they're in this form and they're going to come up against people like Palace? Like they're going to absolutely annihilate them. It must be incredibly infuriating being a City fan watching this because you they've lost four games so far this season. It must be it must be infuriating watching them knowing you can play like this at home, but as soon as you go away, then you pick up nothing. And the title could be lost on on their away form. It's all very well beating sort of Norwich 
um, seven nil and Spurs six nil at home. But if you're not doing it away from home, then it all counts for nothing, ultimately. That's it. It's, it you, you can beat teams six seven nil. You still only get three points. Yeah. But why do you think they're not? I mean, what is the difference between them being away and being at home? If they've got, if they've got the talent to be put in six past Spurs, why can't they carry that with them? What do you think is losing it? I've never understood teams that play badly away from home. You're still playing on a pitch against eleven people. The fact you're at a different ground should it make that much difference? Do you, do you think that there's the fact that in that city team there's there are a couple of standout stars and do you think that away from home too many of them just go ah, someone else has got it covered and sort of phone it in a little bit whereas at home under the pressure of a, of a home crowd who's drawing them, pushing them on and, and willing them to, to attack from the offset but they don't have that opportunity I don't know I'm not, I'm not obviously it is different um, having your home support but when it when you come down to being that that talented, I don't believe that it should make that much difference. I think no. if you've got that talent, you should be able to do it anywhere. Like I said, if it, if you know when it, if it's a, a team lower down the leagues and things, I can understand why support would would change it. But I don't think City have any excuse for losing what they have have on the road. No, you're right. If you're a lower league team, sorry, I'm talking to people. No, you can carry on. No, sorry. It's just if you're if you're a lower league team and then you're playing away at Old Trafford, yes, I can understand that. But if you're city, you're used to playing in front of forty, fifty thousand people every week. What difference does it make if you suddenly go to the stadium and Lightning can't play very well against lesser people? Because fewer, when you're playing people. at home in front in front of forty, fifty thousand people, you've got forty thousand people who are cheer, cheering you on, and if you play badly they're going to let you know if you go to the stadium or light and you play badly there's only 2,000 City fans there but you must be used to playing it Sergio Aguero he's played for Atletico Madrid he's played in the New Camp he's played in um, he's played in the Bernabeu he must be used these are players at the top of their very game playing for their countries as well as their clubs they must be used to playing in hostile atmosphere I'm not saying that the atmosphere is hostile. I'm saying that actually it allows them to not necessarily have to play at their absolute top level. And because of that, they can go, I don't need to play. Sergio Aguero can sit there and say, I don't need to try really, really hard because Yaya Torre's got it covered. He'll do something. And Yaya Torre's sitting there thinking the same of of David Silva and likewise. And it turns out that everybody leaves it to somebody and nobody does it. But as well, players at their game, surely they should be wanting to to win so that they can go on and, and win the title, which I think they've got a really good chance of doing this season if they sort their away if their away performances out. And like, when does you know why is the manager not stepping in and and like if like what you're saying, if it's a diffusion of responsibility thing, why is that not being stamped out? Why are they they not? Because I mean, it's not like. That that team was pulled together really early on in the summer. It wasn't like they were any last minute signings. They've had a long time to get to know each other and to to play as a team. So I don't, I don't, I still just don't get it at all. I don't get it. And do you, I don't think that a player gets to that level and being that much of an elite player for his club and country, he thinks, oh, sod it, Yaya Torres can sort it out just because they're playing away from home. It's it really odd. 
Well, does do questions need to be asked of uh, Manuel Pellegrini then? You know, his management of the team. I mean, just looking at the goal difference in the Premier League, it's, it's incredible. I mean, you know, the highest goal difference apart from Man City is Arsenal with 14, Liverpool, Chelsea, both on 11. Manchester City have got 22 plus goal difference. That's incredible. It's interesting to see what that goal difference is away from him. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the uh, final match. Uh, Cardiff 2, Manchester United 2. A cheeky uh, injury time goal for Kim uh, meant that uh, it was uh, just one point for Manchester United and perhaps a very big result for Cardiff. Any thoughts on this one? Um, well, obviously there's the the fact that the argument of whether Rooney should have been on the pitch to score the goal and create the goal, which is a really odd one. And I think he's acting like a spoiled five-year-old with what he did. He had absolutely no reason to do it. And I can't understand why he would kick out. And it wasn't even like, it wasn't a ferocious kick, but he's still doing it nonetheless. This has been a thing of Rooney for some time, hasn't it? He's sort of, um, the redness to get, he did it against Montenegro. Uh, I remember him getting sent off in the Champions League. He got booked by the referee and then clapped in the referee's face and the ref sent him off. And you think that somebody surely ought it doesn't need somebody telling him. Surely by now he must realise that you can't do those sorts of things. It, it's no good for you. And of course, if you do get caught this one time and sent off, then um, it's no good for your teammates. Okay, so with that, I think that rounds up the Premier League review. Um, before we leave the Football League, there was also one other key game I just want to mention, which was the... Uh, this may have gone under the radar for some of you, but it was the momentous uh, Morrison's grudge match football match uh, between uh, Portsmouth Morrisons and Gosport Morrisons um, I'm pleased to tell you that uh, two of the Man and Post team appeared in the Gosport Morrisons team and that was uh, Ross and Greg Ross was uh, outfield and uh, Ross who's about 6 foot 19 he was the goalkeeper and uh, everything was going swimmingly in that match. 2-0 up, they were. Um, and then it descended into chaos. Uh, ended up 5-4 to uh, <laughs> Portsmouth Morrisons. Um, Greg got an absolute clattering, apparently, um, from one of the Portsmouth guys. But uh, most importantly, they it was a charity match, and they raised £335 for that. So I just wanted to mention that because, obviously, we had... Uh, you know, two of our Man of the Post team uh, playing. And I, and I saw a couple, a couple of the images as well, and uh, it looked quite a sort of professional setup, actually. Nice goals, nice pitch. So uh, quite, a, quite a good game. We played an intercompany um, tournament once with all the sort of different uh, depots from around the country. And um, I was playing in goal, and the other team turned up with a ringer in their side. They turned up with Alvin Martin. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. They wouldn't need us to say. So now we move on to betting corner. As it currently stands, um, I am top of the table. I'm the, the only one in positive numbers. I'm on £16. So, uh, fantastic. Um, it's not so fantastic for the rest of the Man on the Post team, though, to be fair. Uh, James, you're in second place on minus 27. Greg is on minus 60. 
Tom is on minus 71. Ross is on minus 100. Adam, minus 150. <laughs> so, without further ado, we'll we'll go straight into uh, this week's bets. Um, Adam, we'll start with you first. What have you got for us today? Um, I've gone for two games in the Champions League. I've gone for Napoli to win away at Dortmund and AC Milan to win away at Celtic. Um, that double returns £126.50. Wow, OK. Hopefully that comes in. We next week... Um, I've also got I've also got Tom's bet for you here. Yeah. So I thought I'd, I thought I'd carry on with the Champions League games, and um, as you might have seen, Colin from the bet that, that um, Tom showed us that he placed over the weekend, he had he had a good time hedging his bets, and um, placed a lot of bets like double chance bets. So I've got I've gone for a little treble for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austria Vienna to win or draw away at Porto, Marseille to win or draw away at Arsenal, and Ajax to win or draw. Away at um, at home to Barcelona, and ten pound returns four hundred six pounds twenty five. He will be pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll give you some bets as well. I've put a bet in for Ross. Uh, I've gone for a treble here. Um, I've gone for Ross's uh, team, which is Leeds United, to beat Blackburn. I've also gone for Wigan to beat Zolta Varagam in the Europa League and uh, Sevilla versus Estoril also £10 returns £80.70 I have also put a bet in for Greg Uh, Greg you have uh, a double Uh, it's a taste of Scotland and it comes straight from League 2 there's no reason this shouldn't come in in an ideal world I'd go (sighs) draw no win on these but I've gone for uh, Queen's Park versus Elgin and Montrose versus Peterhead. £10 would return Greg £131.25. And I'm going to move on to my bet now. Uh, I've gone for a treble. I've gone for Rangers to beat Arbroath. I've gone for Arsenal to beat Cardiff. I've gone for Watford to beat Yeovil. £10 returns rather modest. £27.22. So, over to you, James. What special do you have for us? Yeah, it's got a classic. I'm going to go back to the classic ways um, of a treble. Um, it's uh, Millwall to win, beat Leicester away. Um, Norwich to beat Palace. And Ipswich to beat Charlton. And that returns £297. Crikey. Okay. <laughs> You're definitely top of the table if that one comes in then. Yeah. I, I, I might make sure to keep doing it because uh, I would have won last year if I'd have done it every every time, every week. Okay. Thanks everybody for the bets. And now we move on to Ballers, everyone's favourite football quiz. Football's biggest conversation. Welcomes football's biggest quiz. It's Ballers. Successfully answering questions in the rapid fire round allows a man of the post team to accumulate points to be used in the Super Showdown. In the Super Showdown, 
Select the Man on the Post members must work as a team in order to win. You say quiz, I say ballers. It's showtime. Let's play ballers. As per usual, rapid fire round for each of the contestants, followed by the super showdown where everybody has to work as a team to defeat me. Okay, now the order we're going to go this week is alphabetical, so we're going to go Adam, then Chris, then Emma, then James. You have three minutes in the rapid fire round, followed by 90 seconds in the super showdown. Adam, the timer will start as soon as I've asked the first question. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Ready when you are, Colin. Okay. So then, Adam, let's play ballers. Adam, who were the last team not from either England, Spain, Italy or Germany to win the Champions League? Um, Not England, not Spain, not Italy, not Germany. Think Jose. Ah, Porto. Correct. Chris, name two of the five players who have scored in more than 15 consecutive Premier League seasons. Ryan Giggs. Yep. Paul Correct. You could have had Lampard, Heskey, Gerrard, Kevin Davies. Emma, since the second tier of English football was rebranded as the Championship, who is its all-time top goalscorer? Is it Marlon King, Michael Chopra or Sylvan E. Banks-Blake? Marlon King? It is Marlon King. He's got 79. Chopper had 76. Ebanks Blake had 72. James, name yep. two Frenchmen to have scored more than 50 Premier League goals. Uh, Henri. Yep. And... Uh, I can't think of any French people. I think I want to play for Chelsea. Jimmy Floyd has a wing. No, <laughs> um, he's Dutch. I've also played for Bolton and Arsenal and Liverpool and sulked a lot and was called Nicholas Anelka. <laughs> Correct, Nicholas Anelka. There you go. Adam, who was the last English manager to win the FA Cup? Harry Redknapp. Correct. Chris, who presents Match of the Day 2? Colin Murray or Mark Chappers Chapman? Uh, Mark Chappers Chapman. It is. Emma, there are eight countries whose international sides are not recognised by FIFA. Name one of them. So you're thinking obscure countries here who don't have an international team. Um, Think about Yanisai. I have no idea. All I can think of is Gibraltar, obviously, are now. Um, I don't know. Kosovo. <laughs> no. Okay, not to worry. It, was, it could have had Vatican City, Monaco, Tuvalu, Kiribati, Micronesia, Nairu, Marshall Islands, or Pilau. Uh, James, uh, Danny Higginbottom made his international debut. 
at the age of 34 this week. But for which country? Uh, Emma mentioned it. Just been mentioned. Uh, Gibraltar. Correct. (laughs) Adam, this week Stephen Gerrard earned his 108th cap for England, putting him equal in appearances with which great Bobby? Sir Bobby Charlton or Bobby Moore? Bobby Moore. Correct. Chris, how tall is Tom Cleverley? Is he five foot nine or six foot one? Five foot nine. He is five foot nine. Emma, Manchester United have Mr. Potato as their official savoury snack partner. But do Manchester United have an official noodles partner? Yes or no? No. It's yes, it's Mammy. Um James. Fulham haven't won at Craven Cottage since the removal of the Michael Jackson statue. True or false? True. It's false. Okay, that's the three minutes gone. I can tell you, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine points to play with in the Super Showdown. So, well done, team. A good haul there. And the Super Showdown question is this. You're going to have 90 seconds and you have to work as a team on this one. Now, I love a World Cup draw, and uh, my favourite in the World Cup draw is Pot 4. Um, Pot 4 contains, and you might want to scribble these down, Netherlands, Italy, England, Portugal, Greece, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Croatia, and Russia. Now, I would like you to give me the combined FIFA World Rankings for each of those teams. Okay? Now, as a quick heads up, FIFA have ranked two of those countries the same. So they've given them the same ranking. So I'm going to let you have an extra ranking point to play with. Okay? Because you can't really have two teams in a league, really, with the same points and and what have you. So, Netherlands, Italy... England, Portugal, Greece, Bosnia, Croatia and Russia, I want you to tell me their combined FIFA World Rankings. The 90 seconds start now. How, sorry, Colin, how many points have we got to play with? Nine. And we're only allowed to get it wrong by nine? Yes. Jesus, this is hard. Chris, any ideas? <laughs> right, so... England is 10th, aren't they? 12, I thought. No, Chile are 12. England are 10th, you're right. Um, Italy. What do you reckon? I reckon all of them except maybe Bosnia are in the top 32. Yeah. I'm not sure how that helps us. Uh, Italy must be in the top 10. Netherlands will be a a few above us. They're not in the top 10 anymore, I didn't think. Are they? Well, we are. I'm sure they're above us. I think so. I thought we were ahead of them. I thought it was ridiculous. Um, I remember James is right. You're going to win the World Cup. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, you've got 30 seconds left. Do you want to just give me give me a FIFA ranking for Holland? No, I, want, I don't want to be embarrassed like that. I want you to give me the teams again, Colin. Holland, <laughs> Italy, England, Portugal, Greece, Bosnia, Croatia, Russia. Uh, yeah, I think some of those are going to be top ten. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think we a really, really high number. We're looking at. I think the Holland, Italy, Portugal, and ourselves. I mean, that can't add up twenty people more than about twenty-five. 
Um, we've been blindsided here, Colin. I think we're looking at a number of about 80 off. I reckon it's slightly more than that. I, I, I want to go 98. What, up or down? And then we'll go... Okay, uh, time's up. We're going 98. Chris, will we go down or up? I think down. 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 Yeah. I don't think it's 98. I think it's got to be smaller than 98. No, I'm happy with 98. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be a lot... Okay. Okay, so, so what are you going to go with? You're going to go with 98. You've got nine points to play with. I'll give you an extra point anyway, so let's give it, make it ten, because FIFA have decided to rank two of those teams the same. I'll let you know it's Netherlands and Italy. Um, so you've got ten points to play with, and what are you going for? Are you going to go for 98? Well, what do you yeah. think, James? Maybe we can meet in the middle somewhere. I think it's going to be a lot... <sighs> I feel we lower than that. I think that's fine. <coughs> no, I don't think it's in the 60s. No, because if Croatia are like 20th, then that's already a four, like, that's already a third of what you're saying. Stick with 98. I implore you. <laughs> 78. What do, what do you think, guys? I need an answer on whether you're going to go over uh, or under. Well, I have to believe it's the James and uh, Adam because they do this every week. <laughs> Being bored to them. But it's, it's, it seems to have broken down. <laughs> so, uh, I think it's in the 60, 70s. Um, Why don't we go... Can we go in the middle of 78? I'm already unhappy with how low it is at 98. Oh, it's 78 and higher. No. <laughs> well, I'm likely to go that Adam's an accountant thinks about it, so I'm more likely to... There we go with him. I- I'm worried about how far down like the likes of Croatia and Bosnia are. Think about it, James. If, one- if two of those are 20-something, that's over half of what you're suggesting. Remember, you've got eight teams in there, yeah? Yeah, that's why. You're at least so talking 80. I think 98 is too low. But... That's why I first In fact, Colin, you convinced... 80. I reckon you say at least 80. That's why I say 78 and higher. That's nine. That gives us 88. I, I want to go 98 and higher, though. Higher than 98? Yeah. Adam, no Adam, okay, I'll take your final answer. You're going to go 98 and higher, yeah? Yeah. You've got 10 to play with. Okay, we're going to go with that. <laughs> yeah, go on then. All right then. I can tell you, I'll, I'll go through each of the teams. Now, the FIFA rankings, say they decided in their infinite wisdom that Netherlands and Italy should both be 8. Um, but obviously, you can't be both the same number so that's why I give the extra point but uh, if we do go with them with uh, eight apiece uh, yeah. you also have England on 10 Portugal 14 Greece 15 Bosnia 16 Croatia 18 and Russia 19 if you total those up you come up with 108 you went 98 and higher with 10 
Oh, so that you're means welcome, James. you just come in <laughs> on 108. <laughs> I'll shut up next time. I think it's better when I'm quiet all the way through that. That ball is. So, congratulations to the Man of the Post team. It's, it's another win for them. And uh, another defeat for me. Join us next time for another game of Ballers. Okay, so that rounds up this week's Man on the Post. We say thank you to Emma and thank you to Chris. As always, thanks to Adam and James. We'd also like to share with you our Twitter addresses. So if we start with you, Emma, your Twitter account. Um, it's at mwebs. That's great. And you, Chris? Armband. James. Uh, J.R. Belfontaine. And Adam. Um, Adam SA 101. I am CAS 707. Uh, that's C A S 707. So thanks again to Chris and Emma for, for joining Man on the Post. And always remember have your Man on the Post. You have three minutes in the rapid fire round and then 90. Do that again, Ross. <laughs> you have. Fuck. Wait. <laughs> Bit tongue tied. Now I'm trying to set up a stopwatch at the same time. Ah, oh, da 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 da.